This is a Colored Pencil Podcast, session number 190. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a Colored Pencil Podcast, where we discuss in detail all things in and around colored pencils and the colored pencil artist. And now your hosts... Lisa Clow and John Middick. Hello, my name is John Middick of SharpenedArtist.com, and I'm joined as usual by my co-host, Lisa Clow of Lockery Fine Art. Lisa, how are you today? I am really good. We're technically still in winter, and it's like summer outside right now, so it is a good day for me. I hate to ask, but I'm going to. What's the temperature right now? It's 75. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's summer <laughs> over here, too. It's like 50. So <laughs> That's actually not bad for you guys. I know. It's not bad at all. So, All right. So this is the show about colored pencil, where we discuss anything and everything surrounding this medium that we love so much. So today we're talking about some of your all's questions again, and we've got several that we're going to be going through here. So let's go ahead and start with Sandra writes, does OMS interfere with underlying layers of watercolor pencils? Is there a different effect if the watercolor pencils were already blended with water? So Lisa and I did both test this and I think you used different pencils than I did. Uh, this yeah, time. I so- used polychromos over the Derwent watercolor pencils. Okay. And I did mine are not handy right here. Um, they're over on the shelf, but I did use Ink tents, and then I used the uh, Supercolor uh, 2, and I used Aquatone. So three different uh, watercolor type pencils. Blended those out with water, and then I went over those with uh, a combination of on separate little portions of that swatch. I used uh, a Polychromos pencil, and then I also used a Caran d'Ache Luminance pencil. And it's kind of weird. I'm not sure. I didn't exactly, realize but. you used ink tents though, because you're going to get very different results with that on with ink tents than you do with colored pencil. Because ink tents, I have tested before. So yeah, I used uh, several different types to see what would happen. And when I use the, from what I'm seeing here, it's really odd. But the Super Color Two actually is. It seems a little more fluid, like. When I when I went over it with the polychromos on top of it, and then you know after letting the water dry, and then going back over that with OMS, it did affect that underlying layer just a little bit. But what's weird, or maybe not weird, actually kind of makes sense to me, is using the luminance on part of that swatch for the super color too. That did not really affect it too much underneath there. Now, all of this, I mean, if you think about it, all of this has to do with how much of each of these layers you're using. Um, if you're using a whole bunch of layers of the watercolor and then you do a light layer of wax or oil based on top of that, that could affect your results as well. But the biggest differences that I saw was with this uh, Supercolor 2, uh, it did affect that underlying layer just a little bit more than with the Aquatone. Uh, and then Ink Tense, it was kind of weird. It, it, it affected it. In a different way. Kind of, it's kind of odd. Tense, 
If it's dry, if you've added water and completely dissolved it, and that's important because if it didn't dissolve, you're going to get different results. But if it was completely dissolved, especially in my case, if I use the ink tense blocks and painted it on so I know it's all dissolved, once ink tense is dry, it's permanent. So you put OMS on it and it's really not going to change anything than possibly wetting the paper and damaging, you know, if you can lift. That's the only way I've experienced fully blended out ink tense. Um, of being affected by water or by OMS. Hmm, Not much color with then just on the dry that because... pencil. The dry hmm. pencil kind of smudges a little, but it's not the same as what would happen if you put water on. So it was minimal. But are you say you're thinking the consistency is different from the pencil and the block? Yes, it is very different because what happens mm. with ink tents, if you put the pencil down and then you blend on, you apply the pencil directly to the paper, then you blend with water. You don't always bl- actually manage in most cases to blend out every single like little molecule of, but you're not blending out every like little grain of watercolor pencil. So some of that may still not have been actually activated with the water yet. A lot, that's something that is very common with people where they really didn't, it, it blended some but not all of the way. Whereas if I mix an ink mixture with like my ink tanks blocks and a palette separately. Okay. So the technique's different. Yeah. Technique if I apply that different. to the paper, it's all the way dissolved. So when it dries, yeah, yeah. it's not going to lift. Nothing's going to reactivate even if I put water over it. Right. It's separate technique. I yeah. Those, those that, two yeah. techniques are going to make a difference yeah, right. on it lifting. But with ink tents, once it's dry, if it's been all activated, it's not going to be affected even if you put water on it. Shouldn't. Right. So ink tense is very different because watercolor can reactivate. So, and it's going to depend on the pencils though, because some pencils are known to not reactivate as much like the polychromos or not polychromos, the Faber-Castell's watercolor pencils, something drawer, I can't say. That one blends out really, really well. Um, when I blended with where it was already blended with water, put polychromos on it, not a whole lot of change. But what was interesting is the part that I hadn't blend with, blended with water, did a second test. What happens if I blend over this where it's just the pencil with no, no water blending out? That did smudge the pencil, not as much as water does, but a fair amount. So that one would have definitely is affected by OMS, if not previously blended with water. I think if I were going to do it, I would definitely blend it with water. I mean, that's for me the point of watercolor pencils. But uh, it, it was such a minimal change, I would still use OMS over it if I had several layers of colored pencil on top. You know, be controlled, I think, is a big thing, too. Don't just be blending all over. Like, if you have an area you want to stay watercolor pencil, don't blend OMS over that. If right. it came out how you wanted, keep the OMS just where the colored pencil is. Be controlled with what you're doing. Yeah, certainly. Intense isn't the same as watercolor. You're, that's like a whole other situation. Ooh, yeah, but it's still using gum Arabic. So Yeah, it's just that it, it dries. Kind of, it stays permanent. So that's where that change should, really is yeah, going to. Yeah, but I mean, same thing with the, if it is a watercolor. But these two are not, they don't say, they're not a WC. They're not a watercolor colored pencil. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're so, ink. It's no, 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 I'm not talking about ink tents. I'm talking about the other two that I used. Oh, so what, oh, oh, so what yeah, I'm saying I, is, yeah. yeah, so what I'm saying is, if if we're talking about a watercolor colored pencil, then yeah, you're correct that, you know, it should have that property in it where it's, yeah, that it will uh, lift up, you know, that it, it can be affected again. You can rework it again. But if it doesn't say, if the manufacturer is not saying this is a watercolor pencil, then I think it merits testing because yes. it's like the, the Supercolor 2 or the Aquatone, you know. And I think that's such an important point, playing with the different mediums. And if you want to do a mixed medium, do what John and I just did. You know, we took right. a scratch, our, our sketchbook and just did a couple of tests. Find out what happens before you hit the artwork. Do some Definitely. testing. Yeah. No, honestly. It was kind of fun. I was curious. I wonder what's going to happen. And I I think everything with art, though, we're always experimenting. We're always trying new things. So we should already have that, like, 
explorer type yeah. um, trait in us or, or that yeah, desire exactly. to find the information out. So it's, it, I, I loved this you question. Don't want, I was like, yeah. oh, that's a good one. I want to go find <laughs> out. And especially in colored pencil, you don't want surprises in your project. You want to surprise yeah. yourself in your test paper. Yes, Always yes. sacrifice a test paper just like the support that you're using. If you're using Santa paper, then sacrifice the Santa paper panel over to the right and, you know, test on that or over to the left, whatever. I guess the direction doesn't matter, but but <laughs> test on that separate piece, you know, sacrifice a piece uh, and make sure you test on that first before you land on your project. You know, a tip too with the sandpaper, what I do, because I use Pro Art panels that are not, um, it's from Pro Art panels. It's the Fisher 400 and it's already mounted. That mm-hmm. stuff is expensive. I am not testing on that. So what I test on are sheets of UART 500 because they're similar, not exactly the same, close, close enough. enough. Yeah, and yeah. it's so much cheaper. And I've got a whole pack of that that I can do tests on that, little scribble yeah. marks, whatever, without ruining my more expensive Fisher 400. So you can still yeah, save right. some money and test on sanded paper just by using a different brand. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's exactly what I'm, yeah. I, I'm not suggesting that you take your, you know, $30 panel and start testing on that. Yeah. Use uh, the scrap pieces and you can get like sample packs also yeah. from these companies and that's a good way to test. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So our next question comes from Jean, who writes, what are some methods you use for retaining nice, bright highlights, especially small areas? The white highlights I want to keep bright get smudged by the surrounding colors as I build up the layers. This was like one of the most frustrating things for me when working in colored pencil, because I work, as many of you know, in many, many mediums and acrylic painting and oil painting, never a problem to get your white highlights in. And with colored pencil, I always struggled with that. The ways that I did before I switched to my current method, but the ways that I used to do is just try to keep the white of the paper, work around it, try to be clean. Don't rush it works, you know, really, really slow down, but you will, you're right. You know, I would still, even with that, get some of those areas that just got smudged that little bit. You can, of course, try using, like, if let's say it's the highlight of the eye. You could try using a bit of the, oh, what is the word that I'm thinking of right now? Oh my gosh, my brain just shut down. Um, Windsor Newton masking fluid. That's what mm, it is. Yeah. Um, you can try using that. I never found that to be super helpful with colored pencil. Plus, you want to have, you don't want to leave masking fluid on there for weeks. And a colored pencil piece may take you weeks. It can actually like bond to the paper where you can't get it off easily. So not the ideal choice. What I do now is a mixture of touch-up texture and titanium white mixture. It's from brushandpencil.com. It's made specifically for colored pencil. You mix those two together and I use a paintbrush, like a little liner brush, and I can add white highlights anywhere I want. And even if it's not a highlight that I want to stay white. I paint it white with that stuff. Then I can put the colored pencil color I want on top and it's super bright. This has this has been like one of the most important changes to my work that really made a difference in being able to get those really bright highlights. So for me, that's what I do now. Back before I had that product, I just tried to keep those areas as clean as possible and not work over them. But I tend to rush things and did smudge. Um, it, it, is, it is absolutely possible just to be super careful and work slow. But I didn't, I don't like to work that way. So yeah, the touch-up texture titanium white mixture was my answer for sure. I guess it would really depend on your technique whenever you're progressing through your project, because I don't really run into this problem. And I think uh, a big reason for that is because I do just reserve those areas most of the time. Now that's not exclusively. I use a ruling pen sometimes and some masking fluid. You know, there's other ways of doing it depending on the size and the shape of the the piece that you're or the area that you're trying to protect. You can even use post-it notes. There's a lot of different ways of DIYing that. 
Um, and then there are those products that uh, Lisa just mentioned. You, you can use the brush and pencil products as well. That's another technique as well. But if we compare this to graphite or charcoal or a number of other mediums, yes, I'm real concerned about smudging in those mediums in colored pencil. Most of the time, not exclusive. I mean, not, I'm not saying Kurt Blanche that this is the case every single time and depends on the support, depends on the pencils, obviously. But most of the time when I'm working, I'm not really that worried about it. I'm not, I'm not worried about, oh, I'm smudging everything. So, you know, I, I would say that if this is an apparent problem for you and it, it is apparently happening, you know, and you're asking about it, then try some of these things that we just mentioned, we talked about and see if that works for you. Yeah. And if you haven't already bought it, I just, I can't recommend this product enough for people. Now, if you're entering certain competitions, like with Colored Pencil Society of the US, it would be considered a mixed media by adding the touch-up texture titanium white. A straight colored pencil piece, they don't accept that combination. So if that's, if you're entering a show like that, you have to worry about that. I don't enter those shows. I'm more concerned about what my actual artwork looks like. And this gives me the best results. It's one of the my, like of all my colored pencil supplies, I would say OMS and then Touch Up Texture Titanium White are on my absolute must have list for colored pencil. It, it just makes such a difference in what I'm able to achieve, my end result, getting those white highlights that I just couldn't get before. N not to this extent. It, it's, I've absolutely loved it. And I would also ask you about, you know, the paper that you're using, if we were having a conversation, um, yeah. and if you're using, you know, it, it, it does depend a lot on that. And if you switch over to sanded paper and at least test it and try it, see what you think about it, you're able to put lighter colors on top of darker colors with sanded paper to a large degree. So it's worth testing that out if you haven't tried that already. Definitely. Sonia writes, how do I create detail in the last layers when using sanded paper and brush and pencil products? Even after many layers, 15 plus, fine lines are quite clumsy and the pencils go blunt very quickly. All right. You know, this can happen if we're talking about so let me let me back up for a second, I guess. If we're talking about uh, some fixative in between layers, which is more than likely what you're talking about when uh, using the Russian pencil products, and then you're going on top of that again, there is a texture that you're going to encounter whenever you do that. So fine lines, they they are. I mean, it, it's true. What what she is bringing up is actual, you know, this actually does happen. You can have sort of this experience where depending on the size of what you're working on, but if you want really teeny tiny fine details on certain things, you can run into this problem where that texture of a sprayed surface can affect that. Now, if you go back over some of those areas, though, with some layers of colored pencil, you could create, you know, a little bit of different texture that maybe you can work on top of in those areas. That might be something to try when you're doing that. We're, we're always at a slight disadvantage whenever we run into things like this because there's so many variables uh, that we would, I would really talk about if I were really looking at a project, sitting right there with a student and working with you on the project, then we'd be able to identify some of these things because it depends on the size, how fine a line that really is, you know, and what it is exactly that you're uh, doing in that small area. 
In this case, it's not really an issue of brush and pencil products. It's an issue of sanded paper because of the texture. of. Well, that depends, though, because the brush and pencil isn't what's preventing you from getting fine lines. I'm not saying that that makes it a bit more. Yeah, I think that's more of the issue there. Yeah. Well, I want to I want to clarify and make sure everyone knows. I'm not saying that, that it's the brush and pencil products. I'm saying if you used a fixative of any sort, if you used a fixative product, then there is a texture that is associated with that typically. And that could be the case even with the brush and pencil product. I don't know. I don't have enough information really to say. Oh, I see what you're saying though, too, Lisa, that, that the Santa paper could be. Yeah. What I've done. But she's talking about with both of them together, isn't she? Well, she's saying she's using that. So I doubt she, Mm. this is an artist who has not used sanded paper previously. So maybe not completely understanding which, which aspect is. She's talking about all those layers building up. I Um, I took it more as the, well, I mean. I could be wrong. It's because of the paper, not because of the method that I'm blending with. The paper is just too, so rough that it can be slightly difficult, but you need to adjust your techniques. That's all this comes down to. So for me, what's worked is I use mostly, I really like to use my wax-based pencils on my final layers because it sticks more. Pablos are amazing for fine details. That's the only, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of the Caran d'Ache Pablo pencils except on sanded paper for final details. Oh my gosh, they are amazing. They're super opaque on that sanded paper. And they just, they really do a good job of fine detail. If I still can't get detail fine enough, I'm going to use the touch-up texture titanium white mix. I sound like I'm advertising brush and pencil right now, and I'm not, I promise. But it's just one of those things I have more experience, you know, a lot of experience working with. But I'll use the touch-up texture titanium white mixture and paint a fine detail because there are times I want a slightly smoother area, like maybe a few teeny tiny strands of hair. No, I don't obviously don't want the hair to be white in most cases. So I'll let that dry and then I'll go over it with a polychromos that's really sharp on top of that to tint that color for those super, super tiny, tiny details. If I can't get it smooth enough with using the wax base or um, the even with the polychromos with those are going to usually give me finer details for tiny, tiny areas. But you're right. Those it burns through the, the pencil gets worn out really quick on sanded paper. So it's in that case, I like the wax base doesn't seem to burn through them quite as quickly for those little tiny details. And it shows up a bit better. But that has been my method um, of getting those little details on sanded paper. Let's say one final thing, though, about that, and th- and that is, I mean, I'm not sure what grit level you're using either. And if yeah. you're going with 15 layers, I mean, if I'm using 800 grit and I've built up about 15 layers, um, it it's not a whole lot different than working on any other support at that point because you can even burnish at that point. And yes, you're yeah. able to get fine details. I, I I don't care. Hand me a pencil. It doesn't matter if I'm using polychromos, if I'm using luminance, if I'm using Pablos, if I'm using uh, the polycolor. I, I can probably get fine details at that point if I've built up that many layers. Really good tip there. And I think that's something that we don't really cover enough. We talk about burnishing, and I know I do this in my own videos, where I'm talking about burnishing, like, don't, don't push hard, don't burnish. You can burnish, but do it at the end. Burnishing yeah, yeah. isn't some, you know, horrible, horrible method and don't ever do it. You no, just want to be careful method. when you use yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I no, love burnishing, but I, I just use it as my last layers in mm-hmm. those cases. And right, right. So Sonia had another question. Now, this one is specifically about powder blender. How to avoid knocking layers of pencil off with when blending with powder blender? Work with polychromos on Fisher 400. Oh, now we know what great paper she's using. Um, very light pressure, textured fixative after every layer. And I... And I leave to dry for at least 15 minutes at room temperature and work a nearly vertical, 
on a nearly vertical easel. So she's working very much like I do. Um, so no pencil dust is left on the paper yet. When I blend with powder blender and soft tools, I very, very gently knock off a lot of pencil from the paper. It easily takes 10 layers or more to get halfway satisfactory coverage and intensity. I can't read today. This is actually pretty normal and the texture fixative helps, but no, you're going to knock a lot of the product off the paper, especially depending on how you're blending. And those first layers are probably the worst with that. And they look terrible. I mean, it takes a lot of layers before you start getting that color saturation. That's normal. And it sounds like what you're doing is that you're doing it right. Um, I will add enough pressure to where it's not sticking to the paper. Like if I added enough pressure and I go over it with with powder blender in that, that area that I added too much pressure to, if it sticks and won't smudge out, I know that's too much pressure. I like to add enough pressure to the pencil, pencil right up to that point, if that makes sense. Like don't push so hard that it won't blend out, but you don't need to use as light of a hand as I do when I'm working on like Fabriano, Artistico, or any other watercolor paper, or Stonehenge or whatever. Those I use a much lighter hand. I can push a little bit harder on the the sanded paper, but you are going to have more fall off in doing that. And it does take a lot of layers. So it, without seeing your work, I can't say for certain that that's normal, but it sounds like what you're going through is completely normal for that product. And yeah, you, you burn through the pencils very fast on sanded paper and it does take a lot of layers. And the more, the other thing is don't over blend a layer. Don't keep taking that. If you're using the soft tools, that's what I use. Don't keep going over and over and over that same area. Lightly blend it, spray it, smooth it out on the next layer. So I build up that way because if you keep keep blending, you're just knocking more and more product off. Do as, as small as possible. The other thing is you don't need very much powder blender on the soft tool. That was something I had to learn. I was knocking more product off by using too much powder blender. Very little, a very small amount goes a really long way. You don't have to constantly reload your applicator um, as you blend that out. Yeah, now that's something that it, it has taken me a long time to really learn uh, this technique. The biggest thing is at the beginning, you are going to be feeling like, especially on a sanded paper uh, surface, you're going to feel like this, you know, this is flimsy. It feels like uh, pastel. Everything's moving around and I don't have any control over it. But then if you keep, just like you said, Lisa, you keep layering that with the textured fixative and then you let that dry, go back over it with uh, pencil. It takes a long time. You keep doing, you know, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. You just keep doing the same thing over and over. And it takes a while before you're building up enough. Yeah. Uh, now the but bonus side it's of a that. nice look once you're done. Yeah. And the bonus of that, because you may be thinking, well, why would I bother if it's taking more time? Each layer, if you've not used Powder Blender, each layer is super fast compared to a layer on watercolor paper. When you're yeah, working on sanded quicker. paper, you go through that. I mean, it is fast, fast. So yeah, you're burning through more pencil. You're knocking product off. But the actual, like to get the same amount of coverage, if I want to get a background on something like 16 by 20 inches, so it's a fairly good size, I'm going to have that done usually with, with Powder Blender within an hour or two. That would take me, if I wasn't using that product... It would, God, it may not even take that long, but if I was using on watercolor paper, we're talking about two days to get that much coverage really filled in nice. So um, while it sounds like, I mean, yeah, you're, you're doing more layers, but each there's, layer is very fast. Yeah. There's a learning curve involved though, is the thing, or it was for me. I mean, when I started out, I just felt like, wow, I'm just really doing this wrong. Uh, and it took a while. There was a learning curve. And here's here's another thing that you may run into if you're new to using uh, the brush and pencil products 
the powder blender when you're when you're using that from time to time especially with wax pencils and if you're layering some white in there and you're using wax pencils there's um sometimes where you're going to see that grainy kind of look that really bothered me early on with it whenever i was using it but if I just kept doing the same thing and kept spraying it and then going back over it and trying to use more polychromos, to be quite honest, then you're going to have a smooth look by the time you're done. But it can be kind of frustrating at the beginning if you're looking at it and you're like, oh, this looks kind of grainy. How am I getting how am I going to get rid of that? Don't worry about it and don't mm-hmm. think of it as being grainy and just <laughs> that yeah. sounds easier than than uh, it sounds. But I mean, just keep going is the thing. Yeah, so true. All right, so hopefully these answers have helped you today. And if you do have a question, you can go to sharpenartist.com slash Q&A and submit it right there. Or reach out through email podcast at sharpenedartist.com. This is a weekly show. We'll talk to you again next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com. 